Welcome to the Ambitious Broker Podcast, where elite real estate professionals share their secrets to success, discuss topics impacting their industry, and gain professional development insights. Enjoy today's episode. Today's guest is Rod McIntosh as a part of our icon series here at Ambitious Broker. He's got over 40 years of experience and a seven-figure income. Let's figure out what makes Rod successful. Rod, welcome to Ambitious Broker. Well, thank you, Roger. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. You know, I, I don't want to lie to people that are watching. I, you know, you and I have known each other for, you know, three days My now or something, right? Career. Your entire career in real estate. years. Yeah. And it's been a hell of a career you've had. It's been fun. And that's what we're here to talk about because uh, Ambitious Broker is a show that, that we've started that's designed to bring you know, information to people who uh, are out there trying to make a, a living in real estate and, and specifically ambitious people. And you know, there's a difference okay. between ambitious yeah. people and, and those who are in real estate. And so, but I thought we could start by giving a little, just a little background, you know, growing up, what was growing up like? Um, I know a little bit about it, but. Northeast San Fernando Valley, Silmar. Right. Um, Back then, it was lots of horse property. We didn't have horses, but uh, horses across the street. Right. Small town atmosphere. Right. That's where the cowboy hat come from. You know, uh, migrated there from North Hollywood. Um, you know, one sister and a brother. Tell me about dad and mom. Dad was an insurance Dad wasn't was, uh, he was a machinist for oh, a machinist. long time, owned a machine shop. Right. And he went into the insurance business. Got it. While he owned a machine shop, you know, uh, that's probably where I originally got my competitiveness. Uh, he owned race cars oh. and uh, raced at Saga Speedway. He didn't drive. He just owned cars. Right. And um, I used to go there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was it was great. You know, I mean, I had a lot of fun out there. Right. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, not so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So you're so you're you you're did your mom work? No, she didn't work. Okay. Home. So mom was stay-at-home mom, so you got all that love and attention, stuff like that. So you weren't scarred as a child, that nope. you know, anything like that, okay? And dad was a pretty decent guy, you know, machinist and, and grew up. And then, and then, uh, so, and I'll tell you that one of the most interesting stories I remember uh, you is I remember you called me up one day and you said, uh, you were out in the valley and you said, let's have lunch. And we did at the restaurant, uh, you know, uh, Chili's actually. And, and you said to me, I figured it out. Finally figured it out, <laughs> and you said, uh, and I said, well, what's that? And you said, well, I figured out how to to get to that next step, and we're going to talk about this later. But I got to tell the story now because it's important. Uh, so I said, well, you know, what do you mean? You says, well, you know, I've been making around seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, I figured out how to get to a million. And uh, and I asked you, and you says, well. Something to the effect of uh, instead of making 25 calls a day, I'm now making 25 contacts a day. And that was the difference. Uh, and it was a lot more complicated than that for right. time. I didn't want to spend it. But the point I'm making is that even to dream about making that kind of money when uh, you, you grew up in Silmar, right. dad's a machinist, very similar to my background, and you know that. So it's like where do those – where's the dreams come from? Um, where do the <clears throat> dreams come from? Um I think just from looking at the possibilities, honestly, 
You know, if you look around, you can certainly see a lot of people doing a lot of great things in every industry, not just real estate. Right. But it was never given to them. I mean, it, right. you know, I follow sports quite a bit. And uh, uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest example of somebody who went out and just practiced and worked harder in practice than he ever worked in playing a game. Right. Some God-given talent, but added right. a lot of work ethic. Yeah. Right. And that's really – that's your signature, I think, hasn't it? The work ethic um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Work ethic, you know. Uh, right. Don't screw around and, you know, just get to work. Right. Every day. Well, you know, you you um, you didn't get into real estate right away. You had some work before real estate. What was that? Oh, man, it was a great prerequisite to selling real estate. <laughs> it was welding farm equipment in Utah. <laughs> Welding farm equipment in Utah. And then I slowly migrated to welding oil research equipment in Texas. So uh, that had nothing to do with, uh, but I enjoyed what I did. But my father was really the, he left the machine shop business, went into the insurance business. And I don't even know if you know this, but uh, his business partner, was a good friend of Tommy Hopkins. Oh, no kidding. His, because his wife worked with Tommy Hopkins. And if, for those of you that don't know, Tommy Hopkins was the first real big trainer in real estate right. in the 70s. Right. Worked in Simi Valley, did farming. So um, my dad, I was living in Utah and uh, got laid off, moved to Texas for a year, And he said, why don't you get into the insurance business? And I said, I don't want to get in the insurance business. Right. And it was an epiphany. If you've ever had one, I, somebody told me this is what it is. And my dad said, well, why don't you think about getting into real estate? And honestly, instantaneously, I said, I can do that. Interesting. Never thought about it before that moment. And never didn't think about not doing and how, it. how old were you then at that time? I was 20, 21 or 22. So you started early also. So I, so that's how I ended up in Texas. I was with my starter wife. She was from Texas. <laughs> and uh, so I said, well, well, let's move to Texas because I can get a job there in literally a minute. Right. And uh, so I went out there and they were booming back in the mid-70s in Houston and uh, got a job. We paid off all the debt. And then a year later we came here came out and here. I yeah. started my career, but it was, it was really my dad. He just said, sales is a good industry to get into. If you don't want to do insurance, maybe you think about getting into real estate. Real estate. Interesting. Yeah. So obviously that work had no influence. Uh, your, your fixing tractors well, had no influence no. Uh-huh. In, in real estate. I told you probably what you didn't want to do. Wow. See, my dad was a mechanic, and he said, you know, "No, I don't want you a mechanic. Yeah. No matter what, don't do, no, don't be a mechanic." Yeah. So, um, but so so when you first started in the business, then you you uh, had some connection to Hopkins, the big farmer, right? right? And he was influential on me too. Right. I mean, I heard you know we all hear about Tom Hopkins right, right away when we first started, yeah. and uh, later I've got to know him. Uh, and uh, my brother-in-law actually turns out to be best friends with the guy, so we've. Yeah. We've we've known each other for a long time, but he was a farmer. So did you right. did you start farming? I did. You know, yeah. I mean, you and I both came from the same cloth, which was Forrest E. Olson, right? And you mentioned that in your first podcast, right? And uh, you know, you 
came in and I met you probably three or four weeks into the business when you were doing the training for Forsey Olson. Right. You had started a couple of years before me. Right. And uh, down on Victory and Woodman. Victory and Woodman, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so then that, that was pretty much the foundation of my business until about 87, 88. Um, by then, you know, I started following Mike Ferry, and who's still a very good friend of mine, and saw him a couple of weeks ago. Right. Um, and he said, "You to make the big money, you can't just farm. Can't just farm. Right. Yeah. He wasn't a farmer. He did, he, he no. didn't promote that farming stuff. No, he did yeah. not promote the farming stuff. Yeah. He said, why knock on the same door and talk to the same people? Well, it's relationship building, and now, funny, we're making a full circle. It's relationship building now. Yeah. It's just... Uh, your farm is your your phone. It's uh, it's all the people you can connect right. with and stay in touch with. You've done a pretty good job. Value. You've done a good job over the years, and I'm sorry to interrupt that, but over the years of of kind of morphing to things that that you know felt right. I mean, um, one of the things I know that you've done extremely well is you still do this to me every day. But is you've been very good at accountability, and you've been very good even now. Uh, and, and counting, you, you're someone who really kept track of contacts and attempts and all that stuff like it's, that. It's uh, you know, there's let's see, Mike Ferry was the only one that started coaching back in mm -hmm. I don't know whatever it was, late '80s, early '90s, and I've been pretty much in coaching with him since 1995. So I'm in my 25th year of paying a thousand dollars a month right. for coaching. Right. Um, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I'm not a do it in my head, guide it. Oh, I got but that figured out right now. Thousands of dollars, but <laughs> yeah. uh, at the, at the <clears> end of the day, you know, you've got to look at where you're sourcing your business, how many people you're talking to about real estate, what you're doing with your lead follow-up, and you just can't let it slip. Right. Especially now, you cannot let it slip. Yeah, it's a daily because time slips by so fast. Oh yeah, this is gone. So yeah. if you're not if you're not really on top of it like that, um, so. So you started farming and you're out there door knocking and then did you did you stop farming at that time with when yeah, Ferry comes along or did he sort of eighty seven to I can't remember. It's eighty eight, eighty nine, somewhere in there. I think it was eighty nine. Yeah. I probably stopped farming. Right. Um just cold turkey? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um I think we did, you know, some mailers and stuff like that, but uh, as far as going out and beating the same doors, I, I didn't. I worked my center of influence, which I'd actually pretty much started from the beginning of my career. Right. Um, I kept track of my past clients and people who I knew, although we had no computers back then. Um, I had them in a book. I knew all my deals and when we closed. And, right. You know. Right. Uh, I think my first sale was like twenty nine thousand dollars. Yeah. You know. So. Things have changed a little. Mine was four, like mine was fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, things have things have changed a lot. I think it's still a great business. I think there's still a lot of opportunity in our business. It's just changed. Just changed, yeah. So what 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 why? And I don't mean to be too simplistic about this, but why were you able to succeed and so many people not succeed? Because the truth is, you know, we've seen people come in and out, in and out every year. In fact, statistically, 15% of the people are coming in and out of real estate every year. And, uh, and so people have been around a long time like you and I, pretty rare birds. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, so why? I mean, if you if you could put it into a, a handful of things, what would you say? I think, uh, well, for me, I it looks like a fun business when you go out and buy a house and you're with a great agent and you have a lot of fun and you buy and close the house. It it looks really simple, and then people go, "I looks think simple. I'm going to do this." Yeah, uh, I probably had six past clients <laughs> get their real estate license. Six people. Uh, um, I've recruited some people into the business, and uh, the ones that work stay, and the ones that don't go. Right. It's a, it's a, I love that expression that this is real estate is the industry where it's an easy business to make a little bit of money or a hard business. To make a lot of money. money. Yeah, I remember that line too. It's really true. Yeah. So to me, when knowing you, I think it's uh, – you mentioned it earlier, and you said just competitiveness. And I have that sense. I've always had that sense with you that, right. that you have a little and, – and did you feel it? I mean, how do you feel in this business? Do you compete against people in the business, or are you competing against what you do all the time? Because you, you're a numbers guy. You track your numbers. Well, you both. Know, it's, it's both. You know, you want to try and improve and do better every year, and – Obviously, we were all set for a great 2020, and uh, we're going to finish out pretty good. Um, but right. there was some real uncertainty, no question about it. Right. But it's one of those situations that, you know, you and I have been through. We've been through earthquakes. We've a couple of those, you know. 18% interest rates. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, so it was just the same thing applied is uh, there's a lot of agents that are stuck in shelters and are not going to go back to work either physically, mentally, or emotionally, or all three. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's work. it's funny we see a little bit of that right now. You know, I we were noticing numbers of real estate sales. The actual numbers are fifteen percent up over September, say of twenty Correct. of nineteen. Hundred percent agree. Fifteen percent up. That's the numbers this year right. over last year. But doesn't it feel like it's three times as much business? Yeah, because yeah, you got you got so much more work and uh, multiple COVID, offers and uh, multiple offers, and you've got COVID forms and you've got uh, people wanting pre-approvals, verification of funds, right? Besides mask, gloves, and booties, just to even make an appointment to show a house, right? Which uh, is that so good though? Is that good? Uh, I've heard agents talking now about how they hope that some of this lasts. Not oh, the yeah. peed so much, but but as example, the the pre the pre qualifying yeah, and like stuff that. like that. I, I like that, but verification of funds that's a different story. Yeah, um, I I I hope agents don't remain rigid that you have to have a pre approval because sometimes you get a call and and somebody's ready to go look at something and possibly buy it and. Maybe there's no time to get a pre-approval to the, to right. the agent. Right. So. Tell me about some of the downtimes. You know, you've gone through some health oh, stuff God. on a couple of occasions. and, and um, uh, Well, Roger, <laughs> he was the lucky guy with me when I had my heart attack in 2000. Right. And, what was it? One, two, 2002. Right. And um, so it's uh, – yeah, that was you know, a, that was a funny, non-funny story. Yeah, that was. You know, you call me out to to play on a softball team when we could both do years, it. Yeah, but we stayed right. in touch. We were the best of friends. Yeah, and you knew I was the best softball player on the yeah. planet, so you invited me you out. You just had LASIK surgery. I just had LASIK. Catch a cold I could there. barely see. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, then I don't know a person on the team, yeah. and uh, you go out in the first inning and have a heart attack on the mound. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, 
Let's, it's not that dramatic. I walked off the field. You, that's true. Drove that's me true. to the fire station. Yeah. So we didn't have to. Yeah. No, let's make it. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. make it more dramatic. Yeah. We rushed yeah. out. We picked you up yeah. and took you to the it ambulance. Was just yeah. One of those things, and it shocked everybody <clears throat> because I wasn't overweight, didn't smoke, a lot of physical exercise, right? And uh, boom, still had a heart attack. Right. So, tell me, at what point in time did you say, "I think, I think I can be good at this." Um, I think pretty much out of the get go, I had, really? I had self-confidence. I mean, I had, you know, a lot of my, I mean, I didn't go to college. Right. So here I am getting my real estate license at 21, 22 years old. And right. my friends are trying to figure out their careers. And, and, uh, I say, I'm going into real estate and people go real estate. Yeah. You know, like are you, you are you too that. young for I mean, that? Yeah. Yeah. Too young, yeah. Too young. Too young. I said, well, I think I can do it, and that's all that matters, you know. Right. Um, and so that's, I, I think I hooked up with the right company at the right time. And, right. You know, so you, you, Olson was, was growing, and we had 50 offices in the Valley. And, right. So you never had a doubt. Really? No, I really, I really didn't have a doubt. Really? How about once you, once you started? I mean, uh, I got to admit that, man, early on, I even, there were times when I, and I hit it right away, hit it right away. And and the thing for me was, I remember was, can I sustain this? Uh-huh. And the thing I didn't understand early on was that's where the relationship building became so important. Right. You know what I mean? Otherwise you're on that, I call it the human hamster wheel. We run and run and run. And I still see that today with uh, most agents, in fact, uh, don't build that foundation. They just look for the next sale. Look for the next sale, and, and that's so still true today. I mean, you, I have friends across the country because of the Mike Ferry organization, and you know, some of them are in very large markets where there's a lot of expired listings, and so that's all they do. Right, they get up every morning and they chase the expired listings. Well, we don't have that here. Right, so you better build relationships. Right, um, it's uh, the farming thing. Um, I think that's the, that's the confidence builder. You know, if I look back and I go, okay, where did I get my confidence? I mean, I dominated the the farm crap out of my farms. the farm. I mean, yeah. I had two: one in Somar, one in San Fernando, and and uh, I'm still in touch with many and many of the customers I had forty to forty three years right. ago. Right, and uh, we're still friends, and we still talk, and that's the majority of my prospecting now. Getting back to the now question: What do I do mm-hmm. now? Well, now. Um, I've been forced to thank you, millennials, and whatever else is out there with this Facebook <laughs> stuff. But uh, you know, at sixty-five last year, I still really love the business. I still really enjoy everything that I do. But I started losing business because of the internet, because of Facebook. I mean, I would probably have ten or twelve deals a year just off of sign calls right. before the internet. Well, those all vanished about 15 years ago because right. everybody had a computer in their hand. Uh, then slowly, um, my referral business started depleting because my sphere and my age group, their kids were now graduating high school, college, and so on and so forth. And they all have friends and relatives getting their real estate license, and I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I call it that. Spacebook, it's yeah. in the space. Yeah. 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 And um, so last year I made a big push to, you know, become 
friends on Facebook with a lot of people I've lost contact mm-hmm. with. Probably the best story is uh, a friend of mine leaves a message. Hi, Rod. This is Bob. You probably don't remember me, but we were in high school together in 1972. This just happened this year. Right. And we need to sell a house. So there is validity to it. Can you build a large, successful million-dollar-a-year commission business off of Facebook? I don't know because I haven't done it. Right. But uh, I understand there are some people out there that uh, I think well, when, it's when, really when, competitive. I think it's so competitive on, on Facebook. Uh, uh, one of the reasons I got involved is because I wanted reviews. Right. In, in all honesty, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good somebody tells somebody else that's you looking are. for an agent that I am. Right. At the end of the day, that person that's never met me, never spoke to me, is going to go on to the Internet and they're going to Google my name. Right. And if there's no reviews there, it's like I don't do business, even though I do one of the best businesses around. Right. I am I, I take pride in being one of the best agents and representative for my clients. Right. Um, but with no reviews. They don't know that. He must not, not do any business. Yeah, that's right. But he has no reviews. Yeah, I've heard that too. So um, so I made mm-hmm. a big push to not only do get into a little bit of social media, and I'm still not very good at it. I don't like it. Um, I like this review much better than trying to make a little video for myself, but right. I have to do it now. Right. Um, and it did make a difference. I mean, you know, we're, I think, on my little website, we're over 300 reviews and Zillow about 100. And, you know, we've got a lot of reviews now. Right. Well, I think to, to do the kind of numbers that you've done, you have to have more than a single source of doing business anyway. Right. And you've got that you've got that foundation you can build on. But if someone's brand new in the business, you know, they go out and start talking to friends and family and, and things like that. Uh, but to me, it's always been a race to the greatest number of people who can know you, like you, trust you. And and today, I think you've got this. To Tommy Hopkins, I heard you say that. No, you like you, trust you. No, you like you, all the time. Totally Tommy Hopkins. Yeah, but, it uh, is. I, I think um, most of the people getting in the business generally are going to be under 30, 35, 40 years old. So they do have an advantage that we didn't have when we started. Well, they have the advantage of being familiar with that process. With technology. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I know some tremendous agents and they got computer science degrees. Right. Okay. And they're right. in their 30s doing, you know, 100, 150 transactions, 200 transactions a year. Right. Okay. That's a lot of business for somebody who's only been in the business 10 years, 12 years. Right. But they're in that right demographic age group where uh, they've got kids in soccer and they just, just you know I, like I, yeah exactly and I, I've noticed I've noticed that um, for a lot of people though that that are new they miss I mean when you and I started we had we had a lot of help from our company they pay for right. marketing they pay for newspaper advertising they paid for mm-hmm. our signs they paid for everything and those days are gone and when people right. people enter the business new today I find that particularly the young ones they don't have that. They don't have the money to do a lot of that stuff themselves. And I, I personally feel like that's the single number one reason why we've seen this this emergence of teams. It's as much mm-hmm. because these kids don't have they don't have the financial support. They've got to go look for someone who can hand them I, leads, I think basically. If somebody's new in the business, the first thing they should do is, is interview two or three agents to join a team. 
Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's a very difficult business to ever reach super success without getting proper foundation guidance. Yeah. That's the other thing too, I think is different today. We, we got some pretty good training. Uh, and I don't think that exists today. You know, you had, um, you had one smaller office as well. How big was your office when you first started? I think we had in Silmar, we, Forrest Olson, about 20. Yeah. And then our Silmar office. Uh, we the, had about 30. We, yeah. yeah. So we were a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. A little bigger there. Yeah. So um, what's, when you think about whether it be Mike or anybody in your past, uh, uh, is there one significant, probably the most significant aha moment where you said something was said and it stuck with you forever? And No, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I look at, I've got, you know, really great people in my life, you being one of them. Roger is the most dedicated guy to making uh, a difference in the life of agents. And... Mike Ferry is the same way. You guys are so like-minded like that. Mm -hmm. And now the the company that I work for, okay, Glenn Sanford, I see him as the same. Even though I've never met him, mm -hmm. I've watched him speak, I've seen him in person speak, he's not a good speaker. But you can hear the desire and the passion in his life to make an agent's life better. Right. And I think that if somebody's new in the business, that's who they need to you know, connect with, yeah. Connect with. It. Tell me, tell me, tell me when someone said something to you that, uh, as uh, hold on, yeah. that said something to you that kind of hurt your feelings, but in retrospect you go, boy, I, you know, I really needed to hear that. Was there anybody who ever said, you know, Rod, you got to start brushing you know, your teeth, uh, or or we've had that question yeah. before, uh. and you and I, and honestly, I. I have racked my brain. I can't yeah. think of, you know. Yeah, one of the things that, that people, uh, you know, the thing is that you can you can spar with people and you can bring stuff out. And you're you're kind of good at that. A lot of people aren't good at that. So there's things about them like they'll be too forceful or they're, 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 they need to talk quieter. They need to just things like that that, that really become major barriers to their moving forward in a people business. And... And uh, you're more of a people guy, so you may not have done that. But but uh, I have found that it's very difficult to say some really hard things like that to people, like back off a little bit or mm -hmm. things like that, you know. Well, I think mm -hmm. um, Mike Ferry's harped on us uh, for probably close to 20 years now about learning personality styles. You know, the right. analytical, right. expressive driver. And that does make a difference. There's no, not even a question. When you're dealing with an analytical, you have got to go bullet points. Number one, number two, number three, right. number four. And when you're dealing with a driver, you got to get to the point. And when you're dealing with an expressive, you got to let them talk. You right. Know? Uh, amiables are easy. I'm an amiable. You can just roll me over. <laughs> I mean, it's, Rub your belly. You can sell me a fart. <laughs> Hey, I just said, said it. It's too late. Yeah. We're not going to cut it out. Yeah. Um, well, the as watching people, and you and I have done this, I know we've had a little conversation, but I, I gave you a question. The question was, uh, and I'm going to ask you now, and that is um, these new people that come in and, you know, someone could be 
very, very, uh, what's the right word to put? Arrogant. They come in, they're real, you know, and then they, you know, they run around, they do what. Is there ever, ever one thing that you can think of where you just want to grab the person, shake them, smack them upside the face and say, just shut up and listen. I've got so- one thing I got to tell you. Two um, things you got to tell them. Can you think of what it might be? Just, uh, I don't know. Well, the one thing I would tell a new agent now is answer your damn phone. <laughs> That's the biggest frustration. You know, you got it in your hand. I know you do because you're taking pictures or scrolling through Facebook right. or whatever. Right. It, but, you know, I mean. The that was always a rule of mine, man. You, yeah. you, you got to pick up the phone and return people's phone calls right. and do it right away. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, Don't let things roll over to the next day. Telling an agent. I mean. You got to get serious. You got to control your time. You got to make a schedule. You got to stick to a schedule. You got to make a commitment. You got to have accountability partners. I mean, there's a gazillion different things that I've learned from Mike. Right. And you. Right. But, you know, I've been with Mike. Uh, I've known him since 86, 87. And, uh, you know, I'm still with him today. And, and what he says is still extremely valid. It still pays you off. You know, it's still valid it's and there's people that i mean i just came from mike from the superstar retreat where there was only 50 of us invited because normally there's five thousand. right but he obviously couldn't do that so he invited 50 of his i think good clients you know that try to do the right thing and a friend of mine comes from uh if you know anybody going to tennessee bernie and you've met bernie uh-huh. i think he's going to close around 700 homes this year is that right wow. okay wow now this is a man that you know uh, follows mike ferry to a t a lot closer than i do right okay um has mike changed my life yeah he's changed my life he's made it a lot better right uh i just got more complacent bernie didn't right another friend of ours that uh He's, uh, I'm going to guess he's about 40 in Reading and he's retired. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got to have coaching. You got to have guidance. You can't do it on your own. Right. And you can't build your business off of Facebook. Right. You, 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 you got to have multiple sources yeah, of doing business. Yeah. I mean, even with me, when I started, farming was my, my foundation too, but I evolved into working for sub owners expires. And then of course right. you, now you have some past clients, that sphere becomes important to you. Right. One of the things about us when we were young is, uh, you know, we didn't have that sphere, so to speak. We, you know, it's like I said, you know, I've told people, yeah, I knew some people, but no one could afford a house. That's the reason I started farming is because everyone owned a house there. It was pretty simple, right. you know, but I want to talk a, a little bit real quickly about competitiveness because I'm, you know, my experience has been that, that people who have, you know, guys who win, it seems like there's something inside of them that will not let them fail. And that's something that you're born with maybe a little bit or, yeah, or you can learn it. You can learn it. Yeah. yeah. But you have it. You have it. Yeah. You don't like to look around and see people like do better lose. than you. Yeah. Does it bug you when you're uh, when you're uh, you lose a listing? Oh yeah, yeah. It does. I have a very good friend, high producing guy, uh, who uh, went through a stage later, actually in in his career, probably twenty five, thirty years into it, still highly productive, making a lot of money, and he started losing sleep because he would lose deals at, and and he actually ended up going to a psychologist because it bothered him losing so much, yeah. and it does sometimes. And- 
every now and then I might lose a little bit of sleep over. Yeah, me, but generally not. Yeah, you can let it roll. Yeah, yeah, I good mean, for you. Number next. <clears throat> tell me, tell me what um, what's your exit plan? The exit plan. Um, I guess. I mean, not I that not that you're going to exit. You know, living, you know, that was the most painful question. Always is, you know, what's the exit plan? Um, there isn't one at this moment. Right. Okay. I still enjoy what I do. So I guess when I stop enjoying it is when I'm going to figure out. Okay, how am I going to leave? Yeah. Yeah. yeah people I said. I I see. Right now. Um, we're going to buy that property in, in Oxnard, Ventura. My yeah. daughter and son. When you leave here. We'll, we'll be, I'll have my home here, my business <laughs> here. My daughter has her real estate license. My son-in-law actually had his test date. I think it was the first week of April. Right. So he didn't get it, obviously. But uh, it would be nice to be able to roll this business to the family. Right. You know, but I've seen a lot of... Husbands and wives, like I work with my wife. I mean, you know, we've been together 43 years. The smartest decision I ever made was right. making sure I stayed with her after. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's definitely the brains of the family. There's no doubt. Tricked her into staying with me. Right. You know? Right. But uh, there's a lot of husband and wives that have gotten their kids into the business. And uh, they're able to stay fully involved really late in life. Yeah. I mean. Because they have their kids in the business, right? And uh, so that's that's kind of what we're looking at right now is get Callie and Eric back into the business. And uh, well, I mean, fundamentally, whether it be your kids or someone, your your right. idea is to groom someone who can. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing, you know. But but I get asked that too. It's like I, I don't mm-hmm. see quitting. I don't I, I don't know about mm-hmm. stopping. Yeah, makes no sense to stop until someone makes you stop. I guess. Well, you know, I. It, I got two old people that still inspire me. You and, and Mike Ferry. Both you guys are still working. I guess if still you guys, guys retire, right. I may have to start thinking about right. maybe it's time for me. Right, yeah. right. A lot of funny stories in real estate. And I ask you to think about this one. Tell me okay. a funny story. You can tell me two if you want. I mean, this one just happened. And it's really kind of embarrassing on my part. But <laughs> um, so I was had to go to Antelope Valley, had sold a home in Acton. And I'm driving to the house, and there's this big snake in the road. And I go, man, that sucker's going to get run over. So I decide I'm going to stop and pick him up. And it looked like a rattlesnake, but it was a gopher snake. And so I pick him up, and I go, you know what? My clients might like this snake. (laughs) So I get in the car. And I'm driving with one hand, and I'm holding the snake with the other. I get to the house, and I kind of hit it behind the wall, and I knock on the door, and I told him, I said, I have the most unusual housewarming gift you're ever going to see. And I hold this snake. And, of course, the six-year-old, I think he's six, six or seven, he grabs the snake right away because they had had pets before. Right. Okay. Um, Now, this pet's still alive. The snake's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's not dead. So right. they're all excited. I got a family picture with them and the snake. And, the snake. <laughs> and then um, they go into the garage to put it into a cage. And all of a sudden, the little two-year-old walks out and he's got blood on his cheek. Oh, no. And uh, 
apparently he got eye level with the snake. <laughs> the snake bit him. And I'm wondering, oh, my God, did I just lose these clients for life? Yeah. And they go, ah, he's always getting in trouble. You know, he's a, you know, there's no, and it was no big deal. Yeah. But that has to be, uh, oh, I, when I just started, uh, I had a diesel Seville Cadillac. Couldn't find a gas station. We ran out of diesel. And I had to have the buyers help me push my push car. Push your car, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 43 years of those stories. Yeah. Well, Rod, thanks, man. I appreciate you okay. coming out and, and passing something on. And, and uh, you know, I love you. Find a coach. We're not going to be – here's my here's my advice. Okay. If they're not coaching with you, they got to find somebody else. Right. But at the end of the day, they've got to have guidance. They've got to have goals. They've got to have accountability. Right. I mean, Mike has taught me so much. And if anybody has any questions and they reach out to you, they can reach out to me. Uh, I'll be happy to talk to them. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, just, just to have someone to bounce ideas off of, yeah. even if it meant them. Well, again, it was a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Good to see you. Raj, you're the best. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Ambitious Broker Podcast, where elite real estate professionals share their secrets to success discuss topics impacting their industry, and gain professional development insights. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate it and leave a review.